Welcome to Invincible Teams, a podcast for team leaders and business owners who are tired of dealing with office drama and politics, high turnover, and teams not meeting their potential. We know that team leaders and business owners like you are pretty much always under pressure to get the most out of your teams. And we also know that most teams only operate at about 58% of their actual potential, and we've got the tools and training to make that number keep going up. We believe that every team should reach their potential, and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. Welcome back to the Invincible Teams podcast. I'm your host, Ryan Mayfield. Today, I'm excited to share with you my interview with my friend, Glenn Crockett. Now, Glenn is the CEO and one of the founders of Dave Creek Media. Dave Creek uh, is a company that started just a handful of years ago, but has grown rapidly. And so that's what I'm excited to share with you today is Glenn's thoughts and the things that he's learned, pieces of advice that he has around building a team that can lead to explosive growth and the things that you need to do to do the same thing in your business. So I'm excited to share this with you now. Here you go, my interview with Glenn Crockett. All right, Glenn Crockett, welcome to Invincible Teams Podcast. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to have you here. Uh, I, I think you have a lot of stuff to share, um, but sometimes I see all the stuff that... that um, you are, have have worked on or hear stories about things that I'm just like, man, busy guy. Does it feel that way to you? It, it you know, it does. I'm, and and I know I'm busy, but it doesn't feel that way. As, uh, when you enjoy what you're doing, when you're excited about getting up in the morning and getting started, um, it's just different. I mean, it's I've been on both sides where I maybe wasn't exi- excited about getting up. And, and then, you know, now I can't wait to get started. Um, yeah. which is good and bad, right? So we need, sure. need to take more time off probably, but don't really want to. <laughs> Why don't you introduce yourself for, for people that don't know you? Uh, tell us about yourself and what it is that you do. Okay. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm actually a military kid. My father was in the Air Force, so we lived in North Carolina, Oklahoma, Tennessee, Texas. Um, and through a, a, a career, I ended up in Conway probably – 30 something years ago, uh, managing a department store. I was the youngest store manager for this chain that had about 50 stores based out of Louisiana called Bell Ladyman. And that's how I ended up in Conway hmm. and uh, did that for a while. And then ev- eventually ended up at Axiom. And I was at Axiom for 25 years and <clears throat> about three and a half years ago decided, you know, now's the time to, to do something different. And there were some conditions that came up. I have uh, uh, a father-in-law that was uh, in poor health and may need to help with some things there. He owned some businesses. So I was probably the guy to help with that. And uh, the company was changing, which they always changed. And so that was coming up. And Jeff and I had talked about, you know, maybe doing something together several times. And this looked like the opportune time to do that. And he, he had left Axiom about six months before I did. And so we started Dave Creek Media. We actually started it without a name. We didn't know what it was. And in fact, we've never, and this is, you know, for those that that uh, have had a lot of business training, business school training, we never have and still do not have a business plan. We never put one together. Um, <laughs> but we are both very, uh, you know, we talk a lot about our lanes. What is it you're really good at? Focus on doing that. And so we're both really strong on the business development side. So, uh, we decided to make the break. We decided to focus on sales consulting as the starting point. And then that kind of changed over time and we started doing more digital marketing. And then we started adding people and 
got an office and then got a second office and now we've added another office. And, uh, you know, in the three and a half years, we've really been blessed with where we started with just me as the employee to now we have, I think probably 18 people on the team. Um, wow. someone new started actually this week and I'm interviewing somebody else next week in another city. And, um, you know, we've really been blessed with that. And it's, you know, not only have we grown from a team standpoint, but our monthly run rate has doubled as well, even during the COVID time. And, and you know, and it's, I feel bad saying that because I know there have been so many companies that have not had that opportunity. The business they were in just didn't allow them to do that. And some of some have closed. I've got some friends who have actually closed their business. So we don't take that lightly and we don't want it to come across as uh, as bragging. We just know that we've been blessed during this time and and, you know, we're still still hitting the gas trying to go faster. Yeah. Well, and that's an amazing statement in and of itself, because I, you know, I've been around long enough to see basically the the lifetime of this company so far. And mm-hmm. man, it really does feel like you guys have just exploded, which which is what I want to talk about with you today. And also like with your team, you mentioned them. Mm-hmm. And so talking about how to put together a team with that kind of explosive growth in mind. But um, before I get to that, there's a couple of questions I want to ask on the way to that conversation. Um, and the first one is this, I just, I want to know for you in your business experience, um, what's the thing that you've done that you're most proud of? You know, that's um <clears throat> That's a really tricky question. I'm, you know, I really haven't, uh, I, I would say the thing that I'm most proud of, we have, so when COVID started, we started having a uh, weekly update with business update with Glenn, four o'clock every Monday. And, and the intent of the call <clears throat> was to come together and talk about the COVID rules of the week, right? Because everything mm-hmm. was changing. There's no playbook on how you deal with some of this. And the intent was to update everybody and just say, hey, here's what's going on. And, and our our philosophy or our, our uh, guidelines changed over time based on information that came up. Mm-hmm. But, but I guess what I'm most proud of is when we get together, we do, we do it in one of our offices and everybody's spaced out. They're all in different areas, right? Mm-hmm. And then we have a laptop set up where we can see people on Zoom, those that are that are working from home. And what we've told everybody is if you feel uncomfortable that maybe you've been someplace that, that – uh, may not has been may not be could have been at risk or whatever may not be safe. Then mm. you can work at home and there is no judgment. You can do that mm. as long as you want to. Or if you believe somebody else in the office did something that you're uncomfortable with, you don't have to tell them. Just work from home. And so we've been mm. able to do that. But what I guess what has been the thing I'm most proud of is looking around the room at all of the people that are in this room, knowing that it started with one person and, and mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm, I'm responsible for the day to day, but I could never have gotten here had it not been for, you know, the partnership with Jeff. And so, uh, but being able to look around the room and, and see the number of jobs that we've created, knowing mm-hmm. that we're working towards a goal that will create even more jobs right here in Conway. And that's the thing that gets me most excited. Uh, it's funny. I tell people, I, I'll look around the room and I'll see all these people and I go, man, this is incredible. That we have all these people here. But then I want to grab a paper bag and keep me from hyperventilating going, you know, now I'm responsible for all these, you know, these people are here. So, uh, but that's probably it. You know, the, the, the numbers obviously are important, but it's more about the people that we're impacting and providing a culture that hopefully people want to be a part of. That's the thing I think I'm most proud of. Yeah. Well, I love that. And, and that hits me in a personal way because I'm, I'm friends with several of those people that are yeah, in that room. Um, that's right. So that's super cool though. I love that answer. Um, 
You know, let me ask this. Whenever you go to start a business like Dave Creek, how quickly do you know? I mean, you mentioned that you don't have a business plan even to this day, but mm-hmm. but how quickly do you know where you want to take that business in terms of growth? Did you have any idea that you'd be where you're at now? Uh, did you have a completely different idea about that? You know, um, we, we always knew we wanted to have large scale. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to go at it as, you know, as big as I can. Um, and, and I believe that I truly, truly, truly believe that God put me in this position to do exactly what we're doing. And if he's given me that much responsibility, then it's my obligation to do the best that I can possibly do. So, so that's part of it. But, but I believe some of it also is the mindset of, of growth. How big do you want to be? We were, we never intended, uh, and we love the local market, but we never intended to be solely focused on just serving clients in Conway. Uh, or just serving clients in Arkansas. We always wanted to have a national brand serve clients all over the place because that's what I was used to at Axiom. You know, I didn't have to travel to New York all the time or, or wherever to meet with clients. I could do it remotely. So it's, it's having the right mindset that my scope can be much, much larger. And everything we do should be built in a way that can be scaled to be across the U.S. So... Um, also knowing that because we had a business to business, business, B2B business, that we were not reliant on people coming to us to make purchases as if I were a retail or a restaurant or something like that, that we could go wherever we wanted. And I've always had the mindset that if business got slow, I don't do a lot of the direct sales. Now we have teams that do that or a team that does that. I participate and I still do some of it. But I've always had the mindset that if business got slow, that I could personally go out and get whatever business we needed because I believed in what we're doing for clients and I could go get more. So, uh, you know, part of it is the mindset that um, that you can go much larger. You know, Ryan, um, Jeff and I co-lead the 10X Accelerator uh, mm-hmm. here in Conway. And, and the focus of that entire group, and we've been through four cohorts in three years, and is to help them understand how to 10X their business. Uh, and a lot of it is, you know, the math is easy, all those things, but but it's the mindset of thinking, how do I make it 10 times the size? Because 10 times the size is a completely different mindset than growing by 20% a year. Right. So it's, I think it's, it's more about getting your mind to think that way. And then you're planning to go in that direction as well. Hmm. Do you ever worry about, um, you know, outrunning yourself? Is that a fear? It, it is a little bit, you know, I refer to it when I talk to people about that, I refer to it as the dance. So you, you have a lot of business development, right? So now, you know, we've got the sales. Now I need to hire people to deliver the sale, deliver what we sold, right? I have some, but we may get ahead of them. So I need more delivery people. And then we get delivery caught up. Now there we need, we have some bandwidth. We need to go sell more and we need more delivery and then we need to sell more. So it's that, it's that constant back and forth. And just in the last probably four months, we have actually separated the two disciplines. Um, one of our offices is focused on sales. The other office is focused on delivery. And I have somebody leading the delivery side and mm-hmm. I'm leading the sales side. And what's kind of funny, the way we describe our roles is it's my job to make it rain. It's his job to make sure we don't drown, right? So, <laughs> uh, so we, we have separate roles. He's solely focused on making sure we're optimized to, to do the best that we can for our clients. And my job is to help us identify uh, opportunities and scale our business through new salespeople and other strategies. Yeah. Well, that makes sense. And I, and I want to hear 
more about how you came to the decision to, you know, split that role up that you were playing into those two separate things. But I want to back up a little bit. we go back to when, you know, you're still kind of starting this whole thing at the beginning. Um, What's the thing for you? When, when do you advise people to make the, the first hire, right? When you're trying to grow a business and grow a team, how do you know when to make your first hire? For me, it was, um, <clears throat> we were we were very much, uh, we had a backup plan. Uh, you know, when I decided to leave Axiom, it was, okay, well, let's, let's try this for three months, which is not a long time, right? To see if, and it wasn't that we needed to completely replace my income in three months, but we needed to see that it was moving in that direction. And so what we did is we actually had a date. It was July 1st. So July 1st was the go or no go date. And we said, um, this is how much I need to make each week. And every time I make that amount each week, we added on to the decision date. So if in the first month I earned two weeks of that, then it became July 15th is when we make the decision. And every time I earned money, we kept adding it on. And I was blessed to have our first client, my first week out. Um, wow. We, we added a, a consulting client the very first week out. And then, so it just kept working and kept working. And so when we were able to have the funds to go hire somebody, we hired somebody that could do something that I wasn't as good at, right? I didn't hire another salesperson. I hired someone part-time to help me with some of the delivery work. And then, <clears throat> and so that allowed me to do more business development. And you remember back to the dance analogy, she was doing the delivery. Now I could sell more and she would kind of get ahead of me. So then I would go, then I hired another salesperson. Then I hired another delivery person. And so it, it just kept that back and forth. So for us, it was very much, we would have the money in the bank or to go hire somebody before we would jump out and, uh, and take the risk. So we've been, we've bootstrapped everything uh, to the point where, you know, I was executing campaigns. Um, a lot of the stuff that we do, I'm very, very tight, you know, like the office we're in. I painted a large portion of this and, and Jeff's wife actually helped paint some of it. <clears throat> you know, some of the, the uh, fixtures and stuff in the office I built. So whatever we have to do to save money is, is kind of what we're doing. Now it's more about what is the most efficient. We still want to be, still want to be conservative on spend, but we really want to, uh, we, we don't want to, I don't need to be helped. I don't need to be, um, painting walls. I need to be focused on growing the business versus painting the walls. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. You know, you mentioned hiring somebody, your, your first hire being somebody that didn't do the same thing that you do. Do you think that is kind of a truth for all businesses as people are trying to grow a business and start something new? Should the first hire always be somebody that's different from you? Uh, how do you know what to look for? Yeah, I, I absolutely believe that uh, because if, you know, I even have a saying <laughs> I was saying it's kind of cold, but if if both of us are doing the same thing, one of us is not needed, right? So, hmm. uh, you know, and that that is kind of cold. But if but if uh, especially in a B two B world, you need someone that can complement you. Um, we merged with uh, a company, uh, Bigger Picture Marketing, here in Conway. Um, Jacob Michaelis had an agency that he was running. It was really him and a part-time person, but he had some skills that we didn't have. He, he, in fact, he came on board in March. And one of the reasons that we've kind of accelerated our growth is because of the skills that he brought to the table. So I don't have to worry about how to set up a, a drip campaign you know, for email. I don't have to worry about how to build a website. I don't even know how to do that. They do that. So I don't have to worry about it. So I think when anytime you have, it's, it's 
Brian, it's like a football team, right? They don't get up there and it's all quarterbacks and they don't get up right. there and it's all, you know, linemen. You've got to have people that are specialized in certain areas. And when you're, when you first start, when you're young, you have a lot of people that do a lot of things, but as you get more mature, you can get people that really specialize. And, and one of the things we do when we interview people, we'll ask the question, what are you really, really good at? Because we're looking for specialists. We're not looking for generalists in most cases. Mm. What are you really good at? And unfortunately, a lot of the, the young people coming out of school don't have anything that they're really, really good at. Um, you know, they, they learned a lot of different things, but they're not really, um, you know, highly focused in an area. So, you know, the, one of the Hannah that works for us, she came out with, you know, video. She worked for us as an intern did video for us and now she's full-time and she's shooting hundreds of videos. Uh, she's really, really good, but she was specialized. Uh, we have somebody else who just started an intern and she really likes building websites. So she's more specialized. So it's easier for us to bring someone on if they have a skill that we can start using right away. Yeah. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense too. So, I mean, I guess this is a little detour from the conversation, but you know, if there's college students out there listening, I guess that sounds like a big piece of advice you would give them is to really hone in on something, right? Yeah, absolutely. And, and to the point that we've even talked about um, offering to teach some classes at UCA or CBC or Hendricks hmm. that help them understand the top roles that we're looking for. Um, just a, a, a side detour to tell you why we think that's so important. And there's a train coming. So I apologize for that. We're very close to the That's train. Right. So and, and this, we haven't announced this yet. We've talked to some people about it, but we haven't announced it. Over the last couple of months, we've been working with a consultant out of Chicago to help us um, to begin franchising Dave Creek Media. <clears throat> hmm. This consulting company, if you go to Entrepreneur Magazine and you do a search on top consulting, you know, franchise consulting firms, this one is number one. Hmm. And so we chose them for a number of reasons, but they've been helping us with strategy and all the things that, that we have to do there. So the goal is by the end of January, first part of February, that we would be offering uh, Dave Creek Media franchises. And these franchisees would not have to do website. They wouldn't have to do social media. In fact, they can't do it. They, that's mm -hmm. not part of the agreement. It's really more of a sales office. So if you were in Tulsa or Springfield and you had a really fast network and you could you were good at, um, you know, networking with people, you could have a franchise and all of the fulfillment would take place in Conway. So hmm. whenever you got a new client, the website would be built in Conway. Social ads would come out of Conway. Uh, we might send a crew up to do video, but everything would be in Conway. We believe that for every franchise that we add, we'll be increasing jobs for our office between one and five. Yeah. So the first year goal is to have, 10 franchises. So that's adding 10 to 20 jobs right here in Conway. Wow. The five-year goal is 125. And so you start doing the math and all of that. And it and the number of jobs potential could be very significant just right here in Conway. So um, so anyway, so that's why we we um, we need people that are specialized and why we're excited about continuing to create jobs right here. Yeah. Well, and that's a whole nother level of like. I mean, we're talking about growth, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that kind of thinking, I guess, that kind of model that really uh, puts a new level of growth on there, it feels like. So uh, I'm excited to see what that, that turns into for you guys. That sounds awesome. Um, yeah, it's a, you that. know, franchising is a, um, 
uh, a growth strategy that's not for all companies, right? I mean, it has to yeah. be something that's repeatable. Um, and what we're doing is a little bit different. There, there is We can't find a company currently franchising that does it the way that we are going to do it. And I've, I've been very clear with our consultant. I said, you know, that means that, man, this is a great idea. We're first to get out there and do this. Nobody else is doing it. There's a huge opportunity. Or this is a stupid idea. That's why nobody's doing it. It's going to completely flop. And, it, you know, but the good news for us is that our growth is not dependent on this. In fact, we're building out, you know, our next year, our 2021 plan really doesn't even incorporate any revenue from franchises. So although we've invested a lot in getting uh, getting it ready, it just, it doesn't include that. So it's not like we're, we're betting the farm that this would work. It's very much um, additive to what we're already doing. Yeah. Well, and what you're doing, you've you've used this word a few times already, but the idea of scale, right? And really opening up the funnel. Um, but if you do that, obviously your backend stuff, the stuff here with deliverables will have to scale and grow and all that. So so how do you scale a business quickly as you get this rapid growth while still maintaining healthy teams, that culture and environment that, that you're talking about? What's the key to that? Yeah, and that's, um, um, you, you make some mistakes, right? You try to do it and it doesn't always work. Um, but what, one of the phrases we use is that, you know, always have a bench, so we interview even when we don't have a position, because if we met somebody, in fact, the person that started this week, we interviewed like a month ago mm. and we knew we had her when we got to a certain point, it was time to bring her on. And we told her that we're, we're coming for you at some point. So don't take anything else. We're coming for you at some point. And when we got to that point, we added her. So you need to have a, uh, you need to have a bench. You, you need to look at resumes mm. and, um, meet people and, and, and know, know who you can hire next. Um, so that's part of it. The other is, um, you know, I'm, I firmly believe, and I, I tell people this when I talk to them, that if God wants them on our team, that they'll be on our team. And whether it's now or it's a year from now or two years from now, he's going to make it clear. And if he doesn't want them on our team, he's going to make that clear as well, because that's the way we're doing everything. We're you know, um, we've looked at locations um, and we've looked at hiring people and we've looked at different things. And usually there will be a door closed or a door open that would be the indication that we need to move forward or we need to stop. And that's kind of that's kind of our that's how we know where to go, where not to go. Hmm, yeah. So what about just the cultural aspect, though? I know that you at this point, you probably know every single person that works in your company. Um, but as you continue to scale and grow at some point, that probably won't be possible. Mm-hmm. How how do you see yourself trying to maintain the environment that you have worked hard to create to this point so far? Yeah. And it becomes more of a challenge the larger you get, right? Because you're dependent on other people to communicate the challenge, the culture that you want to have. So, um, so one of the things that, a couple things, um, our mission statement is to create a place that people want to be a part of. People want to work for us because of the culture, the opportunities, the skills that they will gain by working for us. And then people want to work with us because of our desire to help their business grow. So we're very much looking for something because we hear, you know, horror stories of people working and somebody yelling at somebody or whatever. And we, we will treat everybody with respect. We also have five core values that we came up with. Um, I say we, I I think I did it. And then had some people validate them within three months after we started 
Um, and, you know, now you're going to say, what are those? And I don't have them written down, but I could probably tell you, you know, one is always do the right thing. Always. That's something that's really important. Um, put yourself on the client side of the table, which is a big deal because we want to have an outward focus on everything we do. How can we help them? Not what can we sell, but how can we help them? That's really important. Be willing to uh, sign your name to everything that you do. And that one's a little bit tricky because some people would sign their name and then I'll ask the question, would you sign my name? And maybe then the, you know, the standard changes a little <laughs> bit. Um, we also have look for ways to exceed expectations. Um, you know, we use Chick-fil-A as an example on, mm-hmm. on a lot of that is, um, you know, really trying to look for ways that we can go beyond what it is that, um, that they're, that they're trying to do. And I think that's only four. I'm trying to remember which one I've left off, but, but as you can see, the point here is that these are, um, values that are very much outward focused, right? We're, we're trying to spend clients money as if it's our own money, but really being respectful of those that we work with and those that are on our team. So, but we do little things like, you know, I told you we have a, uh, a Monday catch up uh, every business update with Glenn at four o'clock every Monday. And mm-hmm. I will go down to the delivery office and we'll conference people in. And, you know, one, one week I showed up and I had, you know, branded water bottles that we give everybody. Um, this last week I went in and I said, it's been a while since I've given you anything, but I've got something for you. And I reached into my backpack and I had these uh, snowballs so that you can buy indoor snowballs. And we had a snowball fight in the lobby of our office <laughs> uh, Monday afternoon. So, those kind of things. And over the weekend, I'll slip in and put candy canes on their, on their desks. But, you know, it's, it, we really want it to be a culture of getting work done, doing really well at it, but then um, doing it out of respect, realizing that we're a team. And I've, I've made it very clear. We win together and we lose together. There is no finger pointing. We're all going to make mistakes. Nobody's perfect, uh, but we do it as a team. And so, uh, but I think it's important that i try to stay around the rest of it as possible. But to your point, you know, you end up with 30, 40, 50, 100 people and it becomes much harder. So it's important that the leaders that we add share the same visions that we do. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt at all on that. And especially as you talk about this franchise model, I'm sure that's something that you're going to continue to have to be very intentional about. Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, Also, I didn't know indoor snowballs were a thing. So that's, that's a good revelation for me. Well, (laughs) You know, here's what's funny is I started throwing these around and I thought these probably are not COVID approved um, <laughs> or, you know, it's like, all right, everybody wash your hands once you finish the snowball fight. Don't, but, don't uh, eat the snowballs. Right. That's right. Don't, don't get it near your face. Well, let me flip this on you just a little bit here. We've been talking about uh, good strategies for people when they're trying to grow their businesses, uh, you know, not asking you to name any names, but man, what are things you have seen, strategies that that people try to do that you think in five, 10 years, they're probably going to regret as they try to grow their businesses? You know, usually um, the ones that that I think are probably not going to, to work out are <clears throat> where they don't really have anything that's unique. Um, when we meet with a client, one of the first things we ask is, What's your value proposition? How are you different? Um, because if they're like everybody else, and, and Ryan, you've probably read the red ocean, blue ocean, you know, the the red ocean being a lot of competition, price compre- compression, you know, it's a race to the bottom in blue ocean where there's no competition, you know, like Apple was for a while, uh, kind of still is where there's no competition. They don't really, most companies don't know what their value prop, how they're different. Um I'm about to finish a book by, um, I just drew a blank on on the author, but it's called Purple Cow. 
Um, yeah, and it, uh, Seth Godin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, where drive down a rural road and you look over and there's brown cow and all these things and you don't even notice them. But there was purple one, you know, there's you, you would notice that. And so the point is understanding what your purple cow is. And it may be the way that you present your product that can be your purple cow, right? It doesn't have to be AirPods or, you know, a smartphone or something like that. It can be just the way you package your offering or the way that you promote your offering. So that's important. Also being very um, clear on what your ideal customer profile is. And it can be customer, patient, member, whatever you want to call it, but knowing who your target is. And I hear people all the time that say, well, we sell to everybody. Well, you can't focus on everybody. Um, you need to narrow that narrow that scope. Um, and so when I hear somebody that doesn't have um, clear focus on who they're, what's, what's unique and who they're targeting, then it's probably just a matter of time before they, um, they get caught up in all the competition. There's also those that are very much um, self-centered where I want to go sell the stuff. I'm not worried about delivering. I'll just go sell, sell, sell. Those usually come back to bite them over time. So, um, and, you know, and not building the right team. Um, it's important as a leader to have, you know, leave your ego at the door. And it's, it's hard to do sometimes because when things are going well, you kind of want to thump your chest a little bit, but knowing that you're not doing it for you, right? I mean, it's, if, if you're more about how can I make everybody else successful, then I'll be taken care of. I don't have to worry about it, but it's, it, those are some of the things that I look for. If I see someone very self, self, selfish and not very focused, you know, that's probably not someplace I would want to want to invest. Sure. You know, if you, if you were to run across somebody who let's say, you know, somehow magically they were not competitive with, with you and with Dave Creek, but somebody who was starting something real similar, uh, just getting ready to get started with it, knowing what you know now, what are some things that you would advise them to do as they're starting out a similar venture? I would, I would tell them to do, you know, make sure you're crystal clear on how you're different. You know, what is it that you have that nobody else has or what you have that fewer people have know who you're going to target and then make sure you know your numbers, right? You can, you can have a, you know, it'd be like uh, AirPods, right? Or smartphone. I can have an incredible product, but if I price it wrong, if the math doesn't work, then, then everybody's going to buy it. I'm going to lose money and I'm going to go out of business. It's not a big deal, but you've got to keep an eye on your numbers. Um, you know, one of the things that we do as a, as a company is we, every Monday at 830, we have a sales call and we talk about what's in the pipeline, what's going to build this month, every single Monday. And usually before that call, I'm looking at our financials to see where we are, accounts receivable, how it compares to last year, all of those things. So those are the things that are not much fun. At least I don't see them as fun, but it's a, an important part of the job because if you don't know your numbers, you can look up one day and you can't make payroll or, you know, can't pay your bills or whatever. So, um, you know, be sure to be sure to look at, make sure you're tracking the numbers, but also make sure you have a, and, and here's, and this is, and I skip over this and this is so basic. Nothing happens until somebody sells something. Most There are a lot of really smart people that have a great product or a great offering or great service, but they can't. They don't know how to uh, communicate the value and get new customers. One of the reasons we were successful is because that's an area that, that we excel in. That was not a challenge for us. And so our challenge was to, as you mentioned earlier, tap the brakes a little bit, make sure we had enough resources to deliver everything and then go do it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, revenue is the oxygen of your business. If you don't have revenue, your business will die. Yeah, and that makes a lot of sense. You know, another thing you mentioned a couple of times now is these 
these weekly meetings with people, whether it's, you know, state of the business COVID stuff or the sales thing, it sounds like one thing you really value is keeping your team updated on, on things, what's going on. So um, why is that so important to you? Well, most issues come from lack of communication, right? Whether it's um, somebody um, on your team, a client or whatever, most come back to some type of uh, communication issues. So being proactive, uh, giving updates, tracking our numbers, talking about things is really important to us. And like, like a lot of companies, there are so many ways to communicate. You know, we use Slack, we use email, we use text, we do phone calls, we do face-to-face. So there are a lot of options out there, um, but I believe it's important to try to keep, and we almost, even probably a month ago, I said, well, we probably don't need our Monday meeting. Um, but then it became, because as part of the meeting, I give them an update and then we do recognition. And we give everybody on the team a chance to recognize somebody based on one of our core values. Like, Hmm. you know, this person really knocked it out of the park on this video, or this person really did a great job, um, you know, building this website or whatever it is. And then we have sales contests. We have little things that we recognize the top salesperson every month. So ways that you can recognize people like to be, you know, they like a little attaboys, I guess, a little recognition is good. So I think, I mean, I believe communication is critical, um, you know, there's a saying that in absence of information, people assume the worst. And mm. so if you're up front and you're communicating, then you can keep them from assuming the worst. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. There's some really good nuggets uh, in there for people, I think, as far as what they can actually be doing. Uh, so that's that's great. Uh, last, last thing here, we'll wrap up with this. If you could go back, you know, let's say like 20 years, right? And, uh, and pop in on yourself. Uh, somewhere, what advice would you give yourself about building a team, building a business that's, you know, with the goal of growing rapidly? Uh, what would you say to to 20 year younger you? You know, Ryan, this is, it's funny that uh, I knew this question was coming because I listened to the uh, uh, Maggie Glover uh, podcast yesterday. Yeah. So I could, um, so I could hear the types of questions. One of the things that another saying that we have is that the battle is won in the prep, which means that preparation helps you whenever you're uh, proposing or whatever. So knowing that I was going to be on this, I've listened to one of your podcasts so I, so I could prepare myself. And then I have a, a, a Bible study in my office on Thursday mornings with some guys. <clears throat> and this morning we talked about it. Hmm. And I said, so I know he's going to ask this question. And in my <laughs> mind, I'm thinking, if I'm exactly where God wants me to be, then if I go back, I do the, you know, uh, What's the Michael J. Fox back to the future? If I do that, then do I change the path of where I'm going now? And and I'm not where I'm supposed to be. So (laughs) so anyway, after all of that, that's way more than what you're looking for. But, um, you know, the the one thing that I would say, um, it it really all came down to your peer group, the people that you're around. And whether it's Mm. it's me at 40 or me at 20 or me at 12, that peer group can influence you and, and guide you down a path. I'm in. Conway, Arkansas, because of a peer group in college. Mm. Uh, you're probably here because of a peer group. Some connection with somebody somewhere got you here. And if you could think about the people that you're you're with, um, you know, there's a <laughs> there's a famous philosopher, Damon John, you know, from Shark Tank. Uh, he said, if you hang around four broke people, you'll be the fifth, right? So, mm. and it's not about earning money, but it's just about the um, 
the direction that you can take and the knowledge that you gain and the connections that you get and that kind of thing. And I'm not suggesting that you be faking that, but just look, you know, look around and see the people that you're with. Are these the type of people that, that I really want to, you, you can still be friends with them or whatever, but is this the kind of future that I want with this peer group? And if that's not the right peer group, then find a way to get into a different peer group. And it's not that you have to be best friends, but you know, go to somebody and say, hey, can I meet with you once a month and learn how you've done what you've done and those kind of things. So, um, you know, I have the I have the privilege of being on the board at Renewal Ranch. And many of those guys that are part of that, you know, a lot of it is because they got in with the wrong crowd. They just got with the wrong peer group. And that's kind of how they ended up. Now they're with a different peer group and they can break free from that. So uh, if I could advise myself on anything, it's it's make sure you're with the right peer group. Um, lots of advice. I mean, I could go on on advice about, you know, how to set up the business and do those kind of things, but more of a general about life kind of thing is just be very conscious of the peer group that you're with, regardless of your age. Yeah. Well, I love that. And I can see that you're totally right. Like when I look back over just life and the different places I've been, yeah, it's, there's always some sort of connection to a peer group there. So yeah, (laughs) definitely agree. Well, uh, tell people just about what you're doing right now, what Dave Creek is up to, uh, and, and how people can get in touch or get involved with anything that you might have going on. Yeah. Um, you know, as I mentioned, we will start um, franchising very soon, hopefully very soon. And if, if it takes off like we think that it will, uh, and there will be lots of opportunities for us to add um, other resources. So if you have something you're good at, website, sales, whatever, uh, what I would suggest is go to our website and connect with us. We just put up a new website. We've changed our color scheme. We've changed our logo in preparation for this rollout. Uh, but go there and send us your resume, connect with us. Um, you can contact me di- directly at Glenn, G-L-E-N-N, at Dave Creek Media. Um, and I will get back to you as quickly as I can. I am uh, um, ha- have a lot going on, but, but I also try to take time and meet with people um, and, and I'm, I'm trying to be better at just having relationships versus showing up and trying to fix a problem, right? So, mm. um, you know, we'd love to connect with you if you have ideas. Um, I do some business coaching, and oftentimes it's at no cost. Um, you know, my, my wife gets on to me because I would be doing all of this for free. Um, <laughs> I, I just love it so much. I mean, it, and I challenge people that if you're not doing something you completely love, then try to find something that, you know, something you can earn a living at. We tell all, all of our kids that we don't care the line of work that you go into, whatever you, career path you choose. Number one, it has to be legal. That's, you know, that's <laughs> and then uh, number two, you have to be able to live and support your family with whatever direction you choose to take. And we've got a couple of children that are in ministry and, you know, that's not typically a high paying job, but they're okay with that. They are, um, they understand that they have to do a little, some extra things or, or change the way that they're, you know, they're living. So, um, but, but man, just find something that, that you, you're excited about doing. And I mean, it's a, it is a completely different world once you're doing that. Yeah. Well, that's been a uh, really good stuff, Glenn. I appreciate you taking the time to, to be on and to have the conversation with me. And I'm sure that people listening will appreciate it as well. So, uh, we'll put all that stuff, your your email and, and the website and everything in the show notes so people can find that easily. But yeah, again, just appreciate you and thanks for being on. 
Yeah, man. Thanks for inviting me. This is a lot of fun. And, you know, you and I need to get together, have some coffee. We've got a little coffee shop very close to us down here. And I see, your, I see your motorcycle out there sometimes. So I would just pop in and, you know, grab some coffee. Yeah. Hey, that sounds like a plan. I would love to. Very good. Appreciate it. Thanks, Glenn. Thanks for listening today to the Invincible Teams podcast. We'd like to challenge you now to go share this episode with a team leader or business owner you know that might like it. And just like every podcast, we appreciate all the subscribes, likes, shares, reviews, and five-star ratings you can give us. And like we always say, we believe that every team should reach their potential and that if we get intentional, our teams can become invincible. See you next time.